Well, hello everybody, welcome. Welcome to the Diamond Light and Pearl Ministries. This is Freaking Mickey Aerostar, your local rabbi, high priest, and minister <coughs> in the little town of Arlington, Ohio. I'm getting ready to upgrade my home, work on my home. I recorded a new church, started our rambling this week. New church recorded, so it's here for you. I'm getting ready to post that update. Um, I'm putting this on it. There will be no music or any advertisements for a while because this is a brand new website. Um, I welcome you to it. I'm going to say pray for Israel, pray for Jerusalem, pray for the American people. God bless you. I love you. Shalom. <laughs>
Church, I just want to express how excited I am that you have decided to join us for our weekend worship service here at Be Hope. My name is Brad Thompson, and I have the privilege of serving as lead pastor here alongside my wife, Janelle, and my two little guys, CJ and Miles. Uh, here's what you can expect at our weekend service. You're going to hear from our local campus pastor who's there to connect you and cultivate your faith. The band's going to come out, and they're going to lead you in a time of meaningful worship where you can celebrate the saving work of Jesus in your life. Then you're gonna hear a message, whether it's in person or via video, that's meant to move you forward in your life and in your faith. I want you to know that we are one. We are one church in multiple locations with one budget and one mission. And uh, we believe that we can do more together than we ever could alone. I believe the same is true for you. The survival rate of your relationship with Jesus is only as great as your connection to community. There is power in sharing our struggles, our fears, our doubts, our celebrations, and our wins. And so I want you to know wherever you are today, wherever you are in your faith journey, if it's your first time to church or if it's your first time in a long time, whether you're faced with doubts or you've just told God that you're done, I want you to know we're so glad that you are here. And I believe that God intends to do a new work in your life wherever you are, because Jesus has and will always be our hope. Be hope as a church. I want you to know this is our theme for the next year. That we would be expectant. What does it mean to be expectant? It means that you can trust God in all things. And all things may not be what you think they are. But all things may be exactly what God intended for you. You see, what if we had faith in God when life's problems come to us? And instead of desperate times calling for desperate measures, desperate times call for expectant faith. Even those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. God, we are so grateful for the opportunity that we have to watch lives be transformed right in front of us and get to get to be a part of that. God's going to give you strength. God's going to give you help. God's going to give you victory wherever you are. You just have to be present to Him.
gravity, the force that attracts objects toward the center of the earth, constantly pulling us down, creating the weight we hold. Most of it from our bodies, the rest from what we add. Like layers of sand, dried and hardened, the weight of our circumstances, reactions, choices, mistakes and pitfalls build up, forming a stone upon our shoulders. We may see this stone and ignore it, accept it, or even embrace it, believing nothing can be done. We muster the strength day by day to carry it, but cannot truly remove it. Its weight keeps us from standing tall and its shadow covers the light. But God conquered gravity. He took that stone and crushed it with the power of his goodness and mercy through the blood of his own son and raised him from the weight of death. He did immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. Oh, 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 oh,
hold it up and nail it to the cross. That's between you and God. It's just a tangible act of you turning that over to God and a reminder to yourself that God is big enough to carry our weight. And so in this next song we're about to sing is called All Hail King Jesus. We are celebrating that God is king. We are celebrating that he reigns. We celebrate Jesus' victory over death. And today we invite you to come over. There's a table to, uh, to your left to, that has some cards. It has ink pens and it has nails. Write whatever you would like on the card. Grab a nail and then come up to the cross. There are hammers at the foot of the cross where you can nail that whatever it is, that weight to the cross, when you can trust God to it. So I invite you to stand with me as we continue to worship together today.
You free. 
Happy Easter, Behold Church. It is so good to see you on this Easter Sunday. Would you do me a favor? Uh, we have an online family, many of which who you can't see right now. Uh, but we have Debbie who's joining us online. And here's what's uh, really cool is we have uh, somebody named Yvonne who normally watches us online from Rhode Island. But he is actually here today in person from Rhode Island joining us which is fantastic. Cool. can you welcome all of our online family today, everyone who is watching? Put it in the chat below, let us know where you're watching from. Can we welcome our Ironton campus today? Yeah. And I wanna celebrate uh, our Ironton campus uh, this weekend. Uh, they had a worship night, and over the course of the weekend, uh, six of their students gave their life to Jesus, and we had a baptism on worship night. Can we celebrate that? So good. Hey, if it's your first time here today, we are so glad that you have joined us. We are grateful that you've taken time out of your Easter Sunday to be with us. It's going to be a great day. And I want to go old school for just a second. So if this seems weird and you're new, I understand the oddity of this. But back in the day, back in the day, uh, the pastor would get up front and they would say, he is risen. And then everybody would yell, he is risen indeed. And it feels weird if you're new. But I want to give it a shot. Can we do it today? So I'm going to shout, He is risen. And you're going to shout. Here we go. He is risen. One more time. He is risen. Oh, you guys are ready to go. It's going to be a great day. And so I want to dive right into our text today. Mark chapter 15. And uh, man, we stand for the reading of God's word because we believe it has power in our lives. We believe that it changes who we are, and uh, I'm just going to dive right in because we've got a lot of good work to do today. So here we are, Mark chapter 15, verse 42. It says, it was preparation day, that is the day before Sabbath. So as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly, he went boldly, to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that Jesus was already dead. And so summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. And when he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave his body to Joseph. So Joseph bought some linen cloth, he took down the body, he wrapped it in linen, and he placed it on the tomb cut out of the rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and the Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw Joseph roll the stone in front of the tomb. It also says, he saw where Jesus was laid. One more passage I wanna read over your life. This comes from Ephesians, Ephesians chapter three. Uh, as a church, we are, we are theming our year, Be Expectant. And this is one of the scriptures that has uh, been guiding us over the course of the last year. And so I'm going to read this and then I'll have you have a seat in just a second. It says, and I pray, this is Paul, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power, what does he say, together with all of God's holy people. Look around you today. All God's holy people have gathered today. This is so good. And why do we gather? Notice what Paul says. He says, we gather together to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep the love of Christ is for you. That's why we gather. 
to know how much God loves each of us. And I love what Paul says. He says his love is meant to surpass all knowledge. That his love would surpass the certainty that you need. He says so that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. And this is what Paul says. This is my friend. He says, now him who is able to do immeasurably more, immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine, according to God's power at work within us, to him be the glory and the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever and ever. Amen. We give God praise. We give God praise because he does more than we could ever ask or imagine. Church, can we celebrate that this morning? I want to pray for you. I'll give you the title of my message. The title of my message is more than we could imagine. More than we could imagine. I want to pray over you this morning and then I want to have you high five three people and you can tell them more than we can imagine. God, we come to you in this moment praying your spirit upon this place. We are grateful. We are grateful that we don't have to carry the weight of who we are, but that you have resurrected and we've been forgiven and we are forever changed. Would you move in this time? And it's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray this. Amen. Amen. High five three people and tell them more than we could imagine. More than we could imagine. So this morning, I want to give you the three most annoying words in the world. You ready for them? Three most annoying words in the world. I don't know. Gotcha. In a close second place comes I don't care. Three most annoying words in the world is I don't know. Uh, have you ever tried to go on a significant date with your, uh, excuse me, a significant, a date with your significant other? And you say, hey, where do you want to eat tonight? What do they say? I don't know. You've had these friends, you've had these friends, weird, they invite you over and you say, what time should we show up? Yeah, whenever you feel like it. <laughs> I don't know. You ever lay in bed or sit on your couch and say, hey, what do you want to watch on Netflix tonight? I don't know. See, here's the, here's the beauty for me. Uh, I will search. This is my MO. I'll search for 15 minutes and I'll be asleep in 60 seconds once the show starts. You? What do you want to watch on Netflix? I, I don't know. Big decisions in life. People that we are deciding on who we should date. For some of us, it's whether we should do the corporate coffee company or the local trendy coffee shop. Which one should we choose? For some of us, we walk into our closet and it's like, man, my out, my wardrobe outdated, can't fit into it anymore. What should I wear? I don't know. Uh, just gonna let you know, this is my first Easter at Beehope. So if it's yours, same season, we're in the same boat. This is so good. So last year when they, when they brought me in to interview, uh, they asked me this question. They said, what is your vision in the next three years, five years, and 10 years for Beehope? And I looked at them and in all sincerity, I said, I don't know. I don't know. 
I don't know the people. I don't know the church. I don't know the culture. Like, I don't know how to take a church to, to, a, to a destination when I don't even know who the people are. And, and I got to tell you, for some of us, uh, when, it, when, it comes to, when it comes to the culture that we live in, it is perceived that admitting you don't know is a sign of weakness. Are you with me on this? Admitting that you don't know is a sign of weakness. But what if church, oh, I love pushing back. I love pushing back. What if admitting you don't know is actually a way for you to experience freedom? Can I tell you as a pastor, one of the joys that I get is when people try to catch me up in the Bible and they want to know more than I do and I don't know a whole lot, just to be clear. So that's not that hard. Uh, but they come with questions, they ask theology and, and they're asking about God and I'll look at them and I will tell them, I don't no, like there are some things about God I just don't know or understand. And it is so freeing for me to admit that. Maybe you don't want to hear that. That's your pastor. But some of you don't know how freeing it is to admit that you don't know. So online, I want you to just put it down below in the chat. I don't know if you're in Ironton, Beaver Creek campus today. Let's just do this for a moment. Turn to the person next to you and say, I don't know. Do it right now. Just do it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Doesn't that feel good? I don't know. It feels good to me. Can, can I just, uh, can I say this to you, church? I wonder, I wonder if I don't know is how we were meant to approach the Easter story. I wonder if I don't know is the phase that God has you in right now because he wants to connect with you on a different level and he wants to grow your faith. See, what I know for some of you is you come in and you're skeptical of the church. You're skeptical of God. You're skeptical of the resurrection. Some of you, you may be skeptical of me. Fair enough. I understand. But you come in and you got doubts and you got questions and you got habits and you got hurts and you got hangups and you got a past. Some of you, you come in here and you've got unanswered prayers. Some of you were invited to church by some crazy behoper who just handed you an Easter card. It was like, you should come to church with me. I know we don't know each other. And you're like, I'm not doing anything else. Let's go. And you come in and you've got questions. You're searching for answers. And so what we are expecting on Easter Sunday is for me to get up and to give you this wonderful dissertation on why the resurrection of Jesus Christ happened. That's what you're expecting. Because for some degree, you want a level of certainty before you ever make a commitment in your faith. What if today, uh, what if today I'm just going to do the opposite of that? What if today admitting that you don't know is the opportunity for you to lean into the mystery so you can experience the miracle? Maybe if admitting that I don't know is the opportunity where God gets to do immeasurably more than you could ask or imagine in your life. See, what I've understood in my life, and maybe you know this too, is that certainty, this is the problem, certainty moves the needle. Certainty is what we need in our life in order to take the next step, the first step, or to make the next move. And, uh, and so I, I believe that this is the struggle for most of us.
In fact, uh, as a pastor, I get lots of experiences that I never thought I would ever have in my life. Um, I know some of you think I just work on Sunday and I sit in the office and I have no calluses on my hands because I do absolutely nothing. But I would love for you to go with me one day on a professional development day and I'll get to show you just some experiences that we get to go through. A couple years ago, uh, I was, I got a phone call about a lady in our church who we hadn't seen in a few days. Uh, we heard that she was ill. She was a beautiful soul. I mean, beautiful lady, uh, wonderful. She had some financial circumstances in her life that left her broke. She was living in government housing at the time. I did not know it, but I was told later on that it was one of the worst places you could live in the city. And, uh, and so we went to go check on her. And I'll never forget my friends, John and Jill and my beautiful wife, Janelle and I, we went down to this apartment complex and I always love a good ride. This is fun stuff. Like when you get to go help people, it's pretty exciting. But we walk into this apartment complex and the door's supposed to be locked. And she said, we'll let you in. I'll buzz you in. But when we got there, there was a disheveled woman who was standing behind a walker who opened the door for us. And there was somebody who went ahead of us and he handed her money as he walked in. I was like, I've heard of tax collectors in the Bible, but I had never seen them in modern day. This is kind of cool. Are we supposed to give you some money? Like, I didn't know what the exchange was all about. Later, what I realized, because I'm so naive, is that these were the drug dealers who were handing her money. She was propping the door open so they could go deliver the drugs to everybody in the apartment complex. So we're off to a really good start. Can you tell? So we go into this apartment. If I could just give you a visual, you know, the scary movies where everything is kind of like a dark hallway and it's yellow and you just like something creepy is about to happen. That was this place. So we get in the elevator and we're with one of the guys who just handed some money to this lady. And the five of us are standing in the elevator like, what is going to happen next? And, and I get off the elevator and I wish I was making this up, but I'm not. As I get off the elevator, the first thing I see is a giant knife like this. And some dude is holding a knife. And I was like, oh my goodness, what in the world is happening? I've never seen anybody stabbed, but I'm about to see it. And here's this guy holding this knife. And I thought somebody was going to be on the receiving end of it. And it's in somebody's stomach like the worst was about to happen. And I get up there and there's this guy and he's got a knife in somebody's doorknob. Like, my friend, they make keys so you can unlock your door. And then uh, what I heard was pounding on the door from the inside. What I heard from the inside was yelling. Somebody was yelling on the inside of the apartment. And what had happened was so somebody was so whacked out of their mind. They were so high that they had locked themselves in the apartment and they couldn't figure out how to get out, even though they were on the inside. And so they called their friend to come and get them out. And he came with a knife because that's how you open a door. So again, I'm just going to help my friend. And here's somebody has got a knife. And so we walk past them like, just, just, just don't touch this guy. And we knock on our friend's door and uh, she says, who's there? And we're like, we told you we were coming, it's us. And she says, give me 10 minutes. I'm looking to my left. I'm also looking to my right. And I want you to know that it was hazier in the apartment just a few doors down than it is here at Be Hope today. Uh, it looked like Snoop Dogg's car in the 90s. The smoke was billowing out uh, of, the, of, the, of, the, of the room. And like somebody's having a good time. There was laughing. There were party. People were going in and out. So I'm 
looking to my left, we got a knife on one side, we got a party on the other side. In front of me is Oliver Medicine, which apparently the whole apartment complex had raided and taken all the needles out. Ew. I don't know what you do with needles, but they knew what to do with them. To make matters worse, as we're waiting there for 10 minutes, I look down the hall and there is this guy. He was creepy, like sinister looking dude. And, and he would look at us and then he would text message. Then he'd look at us and then he'd send a text message. He'd look and then he'd text. <laughs> I am a fairly confident person in dangerous situations. Been in the military, I get this. But I told you no. We don't have 10 minutes. We do not have 10 minutes. We are about to get shanked. And I'm like, call the kids, tell them goodbye, tell them we love it. We're not making it out of this place. See, see, in the 10 minutes that felt like forever, I was ready to go. I was ready to just leave this lady in the misery that she was in. I was afraid to move forward because I didn't have certainty in the situation. Because certainty moves the needle forward. Okay, have you ever thought, church, that, that this is why we watch College Game Day? Can I talk to my men in here? This is why we are, are crazy. is because we will spend three hours on a Saturday watching grown men in suits and sports shoes on a fake turf football field talking about sports strategy that even their own players didn't understand when they were coaches, let alone you. But here's what I know. The moment they talk about your team, the moment they talk about your favorite player, the moment they begin to give you the statistics and the percentages of what your chances are, the more confident and certain you become in your team. And the more you tune into the show, you will listen to them talk about your Buckeyes day in and day out all day long. You will tune in because certainty moves the needle. If you're on Amazon or I hear Shein is the new thing. Zed, did I get that right? Yeah, I got it right. I'm getting the thumbs up. You, you look at the stars, you look at the ratings because you need to be certain before you make that $2 earring purchase. <laughs> Some of you, uh, you see the weather and it's raining and you still pull out your phone and check the weather app just to be 100% certain that it is raining outside. See, I think this is how we approach our faith is that when it comes to faith, we need a level of certainty before we ever make a commitment. I find it ironic that the word certainty, the definition of the word certainty to me means to be a state of being free from doubt. It also is synonymous with faith. And yet the irony is in our faith, we find that we have so many doubts. What if I'm just posing this question. What if it's not about certainty moving the needle? In fact, I want to, I want to dive into this story real quick. I want to go back to the story that we looked at earlier. And what we find is there's this wonderful man named Joseph of Arimathea. Can I just call him Joe? So we don't have to say his name 20 times. Cool. Thank you for the permission. I was going to do it anyway. I don't need that. It says on preparation day, on preparation day, it was evening and Joe, a prominent member of the council who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly, went boldly to Pilate 
and ask for Jesus' body. If you are new to the Bible, if you are new to these stories, uh, Joe was a prominent member of the council that was sort of the legal system of this day. And what we know about Joe is that Joe is a secret follower of Jesus. It would be like if you root for the team up north, but you secretly love the Buckeyes. It's kind of what this was like. And so for Joe to ask for Jesus' body in this moment was to expose the truth about his beliefs, but it was also the possibility that he might ruin his reputation, ruin his reputation with his family, ruined his reputation with his friends. He may have to give up his job. He may have to give up his future and his finance. Like, he was risking it all in this moment. And I love that Joe is beginning to shift his perspective because he already knows that Jesus is dead. Ain't nobody believing that he's coming back. But it says in the story that Joe went to Pilate, what does it say? Boldly. He went boldly. Now, when I think about bold people, I think about confidence. I think about people who are unwavering. I think about people who stand tall. But, but the word that Mark uses in this story is, is he, he was enduring it. See, we use the word bold. Mark used the word endure. Have you ever had to endure Cancer. Have you ever had to endure a hospital visit? Have you ever had to endure a divorce, a breakup? Have you ever had to endure your child or your friend who was battling addiction? Have you ever had to endure something, stomach something, bear something in your life? Doesn't feel very confident and certain, does it? But in the end, what we find about Joe is that he is stepping into the mystery. God is dead, but he's still leaning into the mystery of it. Now, I love what Paul says. Uh, Paul is a prolific writer of the New Testament. In fact, he gave us the phrase immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. And I love what he says in Ephesians chapter three, verse two. He says, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given for me to you. That is the mystery made known to me by the revelation as I have already written briefly. In reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the, what does he say? The mystery of Christ. The mystery of Christ. I'm gonna jump down, uh, Colossians 4, chapter two. He says this, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message. So that we, what does he say? May proclaim the mystery of Christ. We may proclaim the mystery of Christ. How crazy is it that you, what does he say? For which I am in chains. How crazy is it that you would go to jail, that you would be put into chains for something that you weren't certain of to begin with? And what I love is that Paul is not giving us a dissertation. He's not giving us a case for Christ. He's not giving us an explanation in this moment. What Paul is wanting us to do is to answer this question. How could God do immeasurably more than you could ask or dream if you were certain of the outcome? 
if you were expecting it, if you knew what was on the other side, how could it be more than what you dreamed of? And so here's where I need to take it at church. This is so important. That the opposite of certainty is not uncertainty, but it's openness. The opposite of uncertainty, the opposite of certainty is openness. Oh, this is so important. See, sometimes you just have to be open to the possibilities. Sometimes you have to be open in the middle of the mystery. So I want to tell you about my friend. Uh, we had to go to the police station to get her help. And it was so funny. I got to the police station and I told him, I told the, the gentleman, I said, we are on floor five. We need some help. And he says, I have to go down there anyway. Apparently in apartment 512, there's a guy who's locked in there. I was like, yeah, I was there. It's a, it's a fun situation. You're going to love it when you arrive. But we got our friend help. And, and, and so John and Jill and I were walking down the stairs and we were talking just about how sad the situation was. Just, it was, it was tragic. And uh, we get down to the main foyer and there's the disheveled lady standing behind her walker. She's still letting people in and taking money. It's a full-time job. And standing right at the door was this guy. The guy who was watching and texting. And, and, and as we were getting ready to leave, he says, how's your friend? And I'm like, I'm out of pastor mode. Can I tell you, I'm not always in pastor mode. Is that okay? I was a little defensive. I didn't say it, but in my brain, I'm thinking, dude, you live here. If you truly cared about her, you would have checked on her in the last week that she's been sick and she's been gone. I was a little defensive, not Jill. Jill decides that she's going to have a conversation with them and they start talking. And I'm like, Jill, don't talk to this guy. He's got connections. But I'll never forget, Jill asked them the most important question that you could ever ask somebody. She looked at him and she said, what is your name? What is your name? And they began a conversation and he was asking why we would, why we would leave our homes to come and help somebody. He was impressed by it. She said, well, this is, this is my pastor. And I'm like, no, I'm not, <laughs> not me. She said, we, we, we would love, love for you to come to church sometime. I was like, no, we wouldn't. <laughs> Everyone belongs unless you are texting and looking. Texting and looking. Everyone belongs. I was so scared. And uh, he said, nah, it's not for me. Not for me. Uh, he said, I love God a long time ago. I don't need God. He hasn't answered me. He's not around. He's not real. What I remember about that moment is, is I was closed off in the certainty that this man was dangerous. But Jill remained open in the mystery of that moment because she believed that there was hope for this guy. Can, can I take you? to the story on what happens after Jesus' death. So good, Mark 16, chapter one. It says, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and I always struggle because at this point I'm kind of hungry and I always say salami, 
but it's Salome. Salome bought some spices so they might go and anoint Jesus' body. Very early on in the morning, on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on the way to their tomb and they asked each other, they asked each other, say this with me, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? Don't be fooled by the grammar here. This is not a question, but this is a plan by the women. And they are certain, notice this, they are certain that in this moment, somebody is going to have to roll away the stone in order for them to access Jesus' body. But, but think about this. Their plan to remove the stone would have removed the miracle of the moment. Because the power of that first day, when sin would lose its sting, when victory over death was given, when our God did more than we could ask or imagine, the moment they arrived, the tomb was already open. It was open. It was open. See, see, it was open because that's where new beginnings happen. It was open because that's where the power of God's redemption begins to move. We've been saying this in 2023, that we are expectant people, meaning we don't live with certainty. We don't live from a place from, of control, but we live open-handed to what God is going to do in our lives. We are open to the possibilities when our soul desires safety. We are open to the possibilities. We are open to the future when our mind is closed off in the confusion. We are open to the healing when everyone around you says it's unthinkable. We are open to the hope that God offers, even though we're sitting in discouragement. See, what I know is when Jesus encounters people in the scriptures and we call it good news, it's because he opens their eyes. He opens their heart. He opens their mind. He opens their soul. And every time Jesus opens something, we find not only does he meet their deepest need, but he does more than they could ask or imagine church. See, some of you are certain that God is still on the cross. Some of you are certain that God is still dead. Some of you are certain that God is unresponsive to your prayers. And my word to you in this moment is the same word that the angel, the angel gave the women that day. The angel looked at them and said, you are looking in all the wrong places. You are looking in the certainty that you thought you would be the one to roll the stone away. You are looking in all the wrong places. And what does the angel say? The angel says, he is not here. He has been risen. The angel says, your God is alive. The tomb is open. He is sitting at the right hand of God and he is your mediator. He will come again with love and justice and mercy for those who are alive and those who are dead. The angel says, 
Your God, Jesus Christ, is on the move and he's breaking addictions and he's restoring families and he's giving purpose and identity and calling to those who are lost and sitting in darkness and for those who are in desperate need of a new kind of hope. But you gotta be open, open to the possibilities because open is the opposite of certainty. Can I also say this? When you are open, you just might admit, I don't know. All people who are open have no shame in starting with, I don't know. In fact, let's go back. I'm ending right here. So good. Sometimes uh, when you're writing Easter messages, it's like, what could we say that hasn't been said? And I love it when God gives me a fresh word. I love it when God speaks to my soul personally. This, can I tell you, church? This is a personal experience for me. This is not a story. Here's what it says. So Joseph bought some linen cloth. He took down the body. He wrapped it in linen. And he placed it in the tomb and he cut up the rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw Joseph roll the stone in front of the tomb and they saw where Jesus was laid. It continues. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome bought spices and they went to anoint Jesus' body very early on on the first day. Just after sunrise, they were on the way to their tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away to the entrance of the tomb? They're asking, who's going to roll it? Who was the one that rolled it to begin with? Joseph. See, see, there is a dynamic connection between the question of the women and the one that they expect to roll it away to begin with. They were hoping that Joseph would be the one to roll the stone so that they could access Jesus' body. Can I tell you, church? We don't know anything about Joseph after he rolled the stone. Why? Because he gone. <laughs> he gone. He said it and he forget it. Did, did you notice this? That, that, that Joseph rolled the stone in front of the entrance. And I was thinking about this. Why did he roll it? Can I ask you, why do you roll your luggage in the airport? Why do you roll your kid out of the grocery when they do that whole limp body thing? Why do you roll the weights at the end of your workout when you're exhausted and tired? See, see church, you roll what you can't carry. You roll what you can't carry. And I think the deeper meaning behind this is as Joseph rolls, rolls the stone in front of the tomb, he is saying, I can no longer carry what I've been carrying. I can't carry the certainty. I can't carry the doubts. I can't carry the questions. I can't carry the future. I can't carry my past. But what I know is I'm going to roll it in front of Jesus' feet and I'm going to walk away. And, and what is he saying in this moment? I don't know. I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know how you're going to overcome it. I don't know how you're going to forgive me. I don't know if you're even Jesus and you're the one who can come out of this. But what I know is I can't carry the weight of this anymore. And, and he's beginning to lean into the mystery. Church, can I tell you, it's in the mystery of Christ 
that we get to see God do more than we can ask or imagine. Can I tell you, the mystery of helping our friend was more than I could ask or imagine. It's so good. Easter Sunday, I'm getting ready in my janitor's closet because I don't have an office. And somebody knocks on the door. And uh, just so you know, when I'm in the middle of prepping, you don't want to talk to me. My wife can confirm this. I can be a not so nice individual. And, and they said, there's, a, there's, there's somebody here who wants to get baptized today. I was like, oh, we've been praying for baptisms. We had two people signed up. This is good. And, and I walk out and I'm excited to see who's going to be baptized today. And guess who's standing in front of me? This guy. It's I was like, no, not you. I didn't do it. I said, why are you here, man? He said, because, 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 because he said, he said, I prayed last night on social media. I just prayed, God, give me the power to change my life. He said, I can't keep doing this anymore. And so today I just decided I was going to get baptized. I said, well, how did you get here? Do you remember my friend Jill, by the way, when I was closed off and she was open in the middle of the mystery, she went down to that apartment complex. She picks up, picks up our friend and also picked up this gentleman and she rolled him into church. And he said, today I'm going to set it and I'm going to forget it. And I'm going to let it go because I can't carry it anymore. So, so for you, You're asking the question, who will roll the stone away? See, I'm convinced that you are certain in your life that you've got to be the one who rolls it away. But I am convinced also that the stone represents the giants that you were never meant to carry. See, I'm convinced that the giant for you is the thing that you believe you can't overcome. The giant for you is the memory that you won't let go of and you can't stop hanging on to. The giant for you in your life, the stone for you in your life, oh, is the, is the suicidal tendencies. It's the financial uncertainty. It's the need to be known. It's the desire to be loved. It's the unplanned cancer. It's the unanswered questions. For some of you, the stone represents the certainty that you have about your life. The certainty that your marriage is broken. The certainty that you will always be addicted. The certainty that you will always come up short. You will always be a failure. It's the certainty that you will always live with this question within your soul that says, why do I exist? Why do I exist? But I believe the message that God has given to me for you on this Easter Sunday is, it's not your responsibility anymore. It's too heavy for you to carry. And so let's just do this. What do we do? We set it. Come on now. We set it and we forget it. We set it and we forget it saying, God, you have already owned it. Can I tell you, church, it's his rock to carry. It's his stone to move. It's his boulder to put on his shoulders. It may have been your grave, but he stepped foot into the grave to say, I'm going to overcome. I'm going to overthrow. I am going to redeem because by the power of his blood and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I will extend forgiveness to the entire world in front 
front of me. His name is Jesus. It's Jesus that you get a walkout whole. It's the name of Jesus that you get a walkout healed. It's the name of Jesus that you get a walkout with Hope Church. It's the name of Jesus where we get to see God do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. You just gotta lean into the mystery of it. upside down. He has stood me straight back up. Um, I was in church uh, until I was about 16. I fell away from church, got in hanging out with the wrong people, um, started getting into trouble, uh, and I didn't know exactly where I was going. But um, there was multiple times that people approached me and was trying to get me to you know, get back into church and get back to the kids that I grew up with that I, I sincerely loved uh, being with, uh, but I, I was not listening. Uh, as time went on, I was going nowhere fast. I uh, got into trouble with addiction, um, paraphernalia charge, uh, and from there it was just, I ended up having a third degree felony over my head as the years went on of me not following the Lord. With my past, it was it was definitely, it was dark. Um, and with, with that being said, it was, it was all self-inflicted. Um, you know, I, I, I kept sinning. Um, it was, I was just in a dark, dark place.
sealed twice. The first time I got denied in no time. Um, the second time I went back to have my record sealed and it was granted. And just by chance, it was granted like two weeks after I was baptized. <laughs> it was <laughs> very emotional. judge told me that she was going to grant me my record to be sealed and that all the times that I was in trouble from 16 to being I'm 41 now I felt free um, I felt like I was civil I was civilized enough to be normal with the rest of the people I don't have to worry about that haunting me anymore by me allowing God in my life he, he took me from being dark and in a bad place, never gave up on me. And I didn't deserve any of it. I didn't deserve it. Uh, and for whatever reason, he said I did. Jesus to me is my best friend. He's everything. Uh, 
um, around me and my family. We've grown so much in just a short period of time that it's really hard for us to grasp of what he really is to us, but he he's honestly my best friend. He's my savior. He's my, my knight in shining armor. <laughs> it's a miracle of what he can possibly do.
and you may be praying this for the first time today, but there's going to be people in this room that are praying alongside with you just as a confirmation of their own faith, as a proclamation of their faith. And so I invite you, if you would like to make Jesus the center of your life and receive the grace that has already been won for you, I ask that you just would repeat this prayer after me and invite his presence into your life. Lord, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, that he gave his life to forgive my sin and was raised from the grave so that I may have life. I receive your grace by faith. Come into my life. I will follow you. Amen. Can we celebrate with those that may have prayed that prayer for the first time today? We believe there is freedom in the name of Jesus. And we believe that God is just getting started to do the work, the immeasurably more that he is going to do in your life. And so we would encourage you to text the word ALIVE to the number 77222. This is going to send you a link that you can click on to give you a free 21-day plan to help jumpstart you in this walk of faith that you are beginning. I also encourage you to tell someone. If you came with someone who's been following Jesus that is a Christian, let them know that you made that decision so that they can come alongside you in your faith. Or you can let me know. You can let any of our Hope Team volunteers know. And we're going to come alongside to support you and encourage you in your faith. I also want to let everyone know that we have a big celebration next week too. Next week is Baptism Sunday. And we get excited about celebrating baptism because we are celebrating people publicly proclaiming what God is doing in their life. So next week, we already have one baptism scheduled, but it's not too late to get on the schedule, or it's not too late just to show up and decide then that you want to proclaim through baptism what Jesus is doing in your life. And so we are excited to be celebrating baptism next week. Last but not least, next week also starts a new series for us. And so we are encouraging you that you would be inviting people to join you to come back next week for this series called On E. And this is just all about how we live. We live on empty so often, right? But how do we navigate life on E? And how do we live in the fullness of God? So, Be Hope Church. First time guest to Be Hope Church. Happy Easter. We are so glad that you got to join us today. We are so glad to worship with you. We hope you have a great rest of your Easter weekend. And we hope to see you back next door here for next week's service, Sunday at 11 a.m. as we start the Awning series and we celebrate baptism together. Happy Easter. We'll see you next week.